you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. When we come to this service every year, you know, um, we came up in a church where uh, it was a big church and they did an amazing production every year. I mean, it got, it got really hard on the worship team. <laughs> it got better every year to where it was like a, uh, like a Broadway production. I mean, they, they do such an amazing job. And as we came here, for me anyway, it was a transition of we're, you know, we're in a different place. We're in a smaller group. And I, I really started seeking God about the meaning of, I love candlelight services. You know, they're beautiful. They're pretty. We all like it. But there's a lot of meaning in it. And it's like every year he shows me a little bit more meaning of why we do this. It isn't just because it's pretty. And it has nothing to do with solstice. It has nothing to do. We, were, we ran down to her brother's house in Dolores this week and came back and and uh, we were in this one little grocery store that I just love. And uh, anyway, uh, they, you were getting happy solstice, happy solstice, you know. And hey, I love the solstice. I love the winter solstice. Love to head for the, you know, for the, the lighter days, you know, longer days. It's awesome. Love it. But this isn't about that. And it's, and it's not why we do that. I, I look at it the other way. The reason that we love light more than darkness we love light more than darkness. And I mean, we can enjoy a beautiful night or whatever, but there is something on the inside of us that loves light, that is drawn to light and resists darkness. And there's a reason for that. There is a spiritual truth behind all of this. And that's why the scripture is really clear about Jesus being the light of the world. What does that mean? You know, And, and the scripture talks about it's, you know, that people, it talks about that when he came, there were people living in darkness that saw a great light. There are just so many scriptures. I mean, there are just dozens and dozens of scriptures we could look at that talk about this. And, and we're going to, I just want to share some of this with you this morning about what this kind of service means and what goes on. And I want to begin there. Let's just, if you have your Bible with you, and uh, I don't have any slides for you this morning, if you want to Go over to John chapter 1. Uh, we'll look at these very familiar verses, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1. This is so amazingly powerful. This guy's a fisherman. I mean, this guy, you know, but he was born again. He's one of Jesus' disciples. He's born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the revelation that God gave him is just amazing. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. All right, so we know that Jesus is the, he is, he is the word of God made flesh, right? He, throughout eternity past, the son of God's role in the Godhead was to be the word of God, the expression of the father. We express what's on the inside with words. That's how we bring out thoughts. Well, that was, that's the role of the son of God. And that, that has not changed. It says in the beginning, and that really means before the beginning, was the word and the word was the word was with God and the word was God. 
So there again, this is one of these Trinity Trinity verses. The word was with God, but the word was, was God. But he was with God, but he was God. You know, they're one, but they're two. They're actually three, right? But they're all one. Brain does not get that, but that's the way it is. So throughout eternity past, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that word life is that Greek word zoe that we study once in a while. It, it is where we get the idea of eternal life. It is a life that can't be extinguished. It is the primary life. It is the source of life. Biological life springs forth because there is zoe, eternal life. It's the kind of life in which God exists, that God has, that he enjoys. And other places we're not going in the scripture says that we now, through Jesus Christ, enjoy that same eternal life. It isn't, eternal life isn't something that happens when you die. It's something that happens when you give your life to Jesus. We enter into eternal life. So it says, in him, in Jesus, he carried this life, this eternal life, and that life was the light of man. So this scripture puts this idea of light right together with the life that is in him. It says when, when, and we can think of lots of examples of this, when Jesus comes into our life, when we open our life to him, he comes in, his presence comes in, his life comes in, and one of the things that happens is light goes on, spiritual light on the inside of us. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, one of the most notable immediate changes was all of a sudden the Bible came alive. You know, a book that I had, you know, I mean, I tried to read a few times. Of course, I always started in Genesis. Maybe made it to Leviticus, I'm not sure, but definitely not past Leviticus. But all of a sudden, every time I'd go, some, my brother told me to start reading in, in uh, the New Testament, for one thing. But anyway, every time I'd go to the Word, it would speak to me. That never happened before. That's his light going off on the inside of us. It changes. We, we suddenly can see things we could never see before. We can perceive things on a spiritual level we could never perceive before. So it says, in him was life, and that light was the light of men. And it says the light shines, and that is a very active word. This light shines in the darkness, and the New King James here says the darkness did not comprehend it. The Amplified, I love it, says it is not that uh, darkness has not put it out, put out the light, or absorbed it. Sometimes we think that's going to happen. Darkness is just going to override the light. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Darkness has not absorbed it or appropriated it, and it is unreceptive to it. And we know just physically light is greater than darkness. And that's why we don't have dark switches on the wall. We have light switches on the wall. We come into a room. If we want to see anything, we turn on a light. And that light shines into darkness. Now, here are three things in the Bible, this idea of light, it always speaks of three things. Illumination, which means, okay, now we can, we can see things that we couldn't see before. Revelation, which means all of a sudden we understand things, we receive things 
that we couldn't receive before. All of a sudden, we can grasp things about the Lord that we couldn't grasp before, about life that we couldn't grasp before. So illumination, revelation, and emancipation, freedom. Scripture tells us wherever the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. So darkness gets broken when Jesus comes on the scene. Darkness is broken, light comes in, revelation begins to flow, And if we receive that, we continually get free. We continually grow in freedom from anything that would bind us, anything that would hold us back. We come into more and more and more of his eternal life, his abundant life, okay? So when he comes into our life, all right, we we understand that 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 light comes on the scene because Jesus is there. But remember what it said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In him, the word was life, and that life was the light of men. Well, the word of God, he is the word of God, but he also has released the word of God. The Holy Spirit even has written it down for us. And when we allow the word of God to come into our life, in personal form, in written form, in his, as he speaks to our heart, any of those forms, that life and that light is released on the inside of us. And over in Mark's gospel, and we studied this just a couple of months ago, in Mark chapter 4, where it talks about the sower sowing the word, remember, sowing, planting the word in our hearts, and how that word would produce fruit in our lives. We studied all of that. Right after that passage... Mark in verse 21, and this is from the Passion Translation. He said this, he talks about the word coming into our life. And then he says, no one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under a bed. It is meant, the light is meant to be placed on a lampstand. That means it is meant as the light comes into our life through the word of God, we're supposed to put it in a prominent place where it can light up the whole area of our lives. And sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't. Sometimes, well, let me give you one more verse first. Um, In Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus then said to us, to disciples, to Christ's followers, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we get the message that Jesus brings this light into our life. The word brings this light into our life. It comes into on to the inside of us. Our We get a choice there of how much place we give to the word as, as the word, as the Holy Spirit brings the word, as we all grow up. And this is, to me, this is discipleship by the word and by the Holy Spirit. He keeps teaching us. He keeps training us. He keeps bringing light into more and more and more areas of our heart. We are born again when we give our life to Jesus. We're saved, 
But then there's this whole process of renewing our minds and renewing our hearts and change in our soul, change in our attitudes and our belief and our thoughts and the way we view life and everything over, over a process of time. The Lord changes all of that and he does it through the same process. He keeps shining his light into different areas of our life. And if we receive that light, it actually transforms us. You know, they're finding, I don't know the details of this, so I may be butchering it for you scientists. Um, But they're finding these uh, ways to eradicate disease with certain kinds of light. Light from the scripture, it's very, it's cleansing, it's healing, it's transformative, okay? But when it comes, the first thing it does is just illuminate it. When the word comes into our life, all of a sudden we start to see something we didn't see before. We understand that maybe a, maybe a, a, the Lord's trying to take a, a habit, a behavior, a way of thinking, a way of believing out of our life through bringing his word in. Maybe he's trying to add something to us by bringing his word in. It, it, it changes us. It works. It shines okay, into our lives. And, the, and that process... In that process, believers begin to not only change on the inside, but we begin to carry more and more of his light. And that doesn't mean that as we are changed, and it doesn't mean he, he loves us more. He gave himself for us before any of us knew him. Before any of us had done anything right or wrong, he laid down his life for us. It's not that he loves us more. It's that we become slowly more and more and more conformed to his image. And then as we go out into the world, we're not going out there with some kind of attitude that, hey, I've got all the light and you got nothing. You know, I mean, that's, there's probably some light missing if that's our attitude. It isn't that. It's just we're different. We, and we become differenter. Over time, we just, we think differently, we believe differently, we approach life differently. We, and, and that's because our beliefs and, and therefore our behaviors, our thought life, all of that is becoming more and more like his. And it's through this process of the word, personal, written, rhema, him speaking to us, coming into our life transforms us. So we're not out there trying to be different. We just are different. And I mean, I know all of you can relate to that. We're just, I'm, I'm a lot different. I'm not enough different. I'm still in progress, but I'm a lot different than I was when I first met Jesus. So one thing that happens is a lot of times, we, we get something from the word, whether we're reading our Bibles or you're hearing a good teaching or uh, having a discussion with a Christian friend. Anyway, in one way or another, some principle, some idea, some truth from the word of God comes into our life. And I mean, you've all probably had the experience of being in a dark place or a dark room and having somebody snap on the light. What do you do? You blink. And that happens not all the time, but a lot of times when the word first comes to us to change something that we've been thinking our whole life, it, it can be a bit uncomfortable. 
And we have a decision to make. Am, am I willing to change this? Sometimes we just don't quite get it. It's like, I see this in your word and I, I accept it because I see it in your word. But I don't get it. How does that work in life? What about this? What about that? And those questions are okay. But there are kind of two attitudes we can have there. One is turn off the light. I am too uncomfortable with that coming in to my life, that change that you're bringing. Or just, wow, I never saw that before. And I remember when I first got saved, and, and this still goes on in my life for sure, but I remember the first few years, um, especially as we started going to uh, Believer Center where we were receiving good anointed teaching. And there were so many things. I was so sure of myself because I'd been reading my Bible for several years. I was so sure of myself about a number of things that oh, I know God thinks this way. Oh, I know the Bible says that. Oh, I know, you know. And and as I was introduced to more and more of the word of God, at first it was like, ha. I mean, that was my attitude. That's not everybody's attitude. I wanted to get out of going to church. That was my point in going to church was to prove to Karen we didn't need to go to church. So we're in church. We're getting this teaching and there would be things that come up. I remember one in particular was like, I know he's wrong about this. So I've got him where, you know, I'm going to get us out of here. And, and then, but what I would do with that is I'd take notes like crazy and I would go home and I'd look up the scriptures and inevitably it would end up, dang it, you know, they're right. He's right. The word does say that. I had this wrong. So, so, and at, but over time, it was like I craved new revelation. I craved for light to come in. I craved because every one of those decisions I made to go with what the Lord was showing me were for my benefit, were bringing me into better and better, greater, abundant life. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. So, so receiving that, so it got to where, man, I went to church. I didn't want to miss church. And listen, you know, we were receiving the word a lot of ways, but that was a primary way. And I didn't want to miss it because I wanted to hear what God would say. I wanted to see what God was doing, you know. So we can get to where when the light comes on, even if it's a bit bright at first, we can really embrace it. And I remember I've had others of you say that when you started coming to church, it was just like, oh, I never knew that, you know, instead of that's too bright, turn it off, you know, which is usually my response to a light coming on in a dark place. But does that make sense to you? So that, so that process, I'll just go through this one more time. We'll talk about some candles. That process is a personal process to begin with as the Lord brings his light into us. And he illuminates things and exposes different things, training us, teaching us, confronting us sometimes, sometimes just encouraging something he's already been working in us. And, and, but through that, we are transformed to be more like him. So then we start carrying more of his light in the world without necessarily really thinking about it. Without necessarily, I mean, we should be intentional about sharing the life of Christ with the people around us, sure, but there's a lot of that that's just, it's just different. And a lot of times in the world, you know, you're the, you're the bright light in their eyes, you know. And so when people do respond negatively, we shouldn't freak out about it. And we shouldn't 
feel put down or whatever. It's just light shining into darkness. You know, it's just light hitting darkness. And we've all been there. And so I think it kind of helps us, but we become that light as we yield to the word of God and what he's what he's doing. So let me give you just one more passage here. And then uh, I want to talk to you about some of the symbolism of this. We'll light some candles. So in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, this is just an amazing passage. And it goes on, and I'm just going to give you these three verses. It says, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, so that we could intimately know the glory of God. He's shown this light into our hearts. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And he goes on and he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. See, that's different. That's being different. You don't respond to the problems and the troubles and the pressures of life the same way. He says, we're, we're pressed on every side by troubles. We're not crushed. We're perplexed. We don't know what in the heck to do is my translation of that. But we're not driven to despair. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how to handle this, but I know the Lord will come through. Not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. He says we carry this incredible light, this treasure of the life and light of Christ. We carry it in these fragile jars of clay. We all make mistakes. We all fall we all sin from time to time and we repent. We all, we're carrying this around as human beings and God knows that. But on the inside, there's this tremendous light. People need to see that. Anybody that thinks any of us are perfect or sinless, we're not doing them any favors by projecting that religious idea to them. They need to see that we don't need to exalt our our weaknesses. We don't need to celebrate our weaknesses, but people, you know, we need to just be ourselves. Okay. And that light will shine through. Okay. Does this make sense to you? And then that way he gets the glory because it's like, yeah, I can see this isn't you, but there's something there that is different. You have a peace. I don't have, you have a joy. I don't have that is attractive to people. That is the light of God shining through us. So, I was thinking about all this the other day and I really, the Lord just showed me this and I want to show it to you. That So what we do in this service, you know, we're going to turn down the lights. We're going to uh, light these candles around the room and that light's going to increase as we do that, okay? And what we do is we light, we light a candle. So we have a, you have a lit candle, in your hand. And that candle represents a life carrying the light that we just talked about. And, and then we start to share that with one another. And what we do, number one, and this is kind of cool, there's a spiritual side and a natural side to what I'm about to say. We offer 
that light that we have to somebody else. We don't force it on them. We offer it to them, okay? And we offer it to them with our candle held upright, okay? In the, in the spiritual world, that speaks of an upright life. Not perfect, not perfectly holy, never make a mistake, just upright, just walking with God, just seeking God. So, so that lit candle is offered in uprightness, okay? What that does in the physical world is keep us from pouring wax all over the chairs that we have to clean up later. So I, so I like it. But, and then that unlit candle just represents that person next to you, a life that has not yet been lit with his life. And so this candle comes across upright and this one bows. And it doesn't bow to us. It bows to the light. It bows to Jesus. So there's this picture of his life being spread. And I want us to do this in faith today. I want us to do this trusting. No matter how you feel right now, we all know we all have our flaws. We all have our weaknesses. We all have that. But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you will be. He says, you are the light of the world. And he, he says, a city set on a hill. He describes his church as a city set up on a hill. Can't be extinguished. Can't be hidden. Can't be, can't be covered up. It shines in that place and it is visible. And I want us to trust as we do this simple physical thing and enjoy the candlelight, I want us to be exerting faith that we are going to see more and more and more people drawn to Jesus Christ, bowing their life to him, getting ignited, going into their realm, into their sphere of influence and see that harvest coming. And after we worship a little while we hold these candles and we're going to pray that way together. Okay, that makes sense? Yeah, worship team, you can go on up and we'll get started with this. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, some of you, that's good. That's good. If I reach two or three every week, it's a good thing. All right. So has everybody got what they need? And for the kids, you can light up your um, glow sticks. And we're going to wave all this stuff around in a little while. What happened to the rest of my candles I had up here? All right. So everybody got their stuff. Let's stand up. And I'm going to come and light just a couple candles here. And then you guys offer it to those beside you. Let's pray as we do this. Father, I just pray that in this really simple act, something goes off in our hearts. Lord, and, and Father, we begin to see those around us, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, coming to Christ, coming to this light, Lord. And as we worship you, we just put our faith out there for a great harvest in Jesus' name. Okay. All right. Did you have a pretty good time this morning? You know, for years and years and years, up until I think, I don't know when I finally got the peanut, but I always thought in Silent Night that it said, that it was saying round young virgin. I thought it was really rude that they talked about <laughs> her shape when she was pregnant. I always thought it was round young virgin. So anyway, it was good. I got that when we started showing words. 
Anyway, all right. Well, listen, we have a lot of people brought all their Christmas goodies for the Christmas cookie extravaganza that we get to enjoy now. So I hope everybody will stay around, enjoy some treats, fellowship with one another, love on one another. And let's say it as we always do on the count of three, that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Merry Christmas. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.